Hey guys, so good to be together. Um, well, I have a picture of my family up here somewhere, right? So Luke got his ring on Friday. Come on, Agnes, let's hear it up. So um, that's Luke. And then uh, to, just to the left of me is our new freshman at Baylor, Meredith. And just to the left of Meredith, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Uh-oh. Just to the left of her is our sophomore at Baylor. Okay, <laughs> I'll just I'll, I'll help you out there. Uh, and then just to the left of her is our sophomore at high school, Lexia. And just to the left of her is my bride and the sister of my daughters. <laughs> That's what Ray says, like, hey, which one's your wife? Uh, there's my wife on the end, uh, my beautiful bride of 20, almost 23 years. Wow. Love it, love it. Anybody who's not married, I highly endorse it and suggest it. It's awesome. But I was 32 and I got married. So I was a late bloomer and God did not seek, send my wife to me. So she's also worth waiting for. He's also worth waiting for. Uh, so I really, I have that story behind me where it's like, you know, some of you are like, hey, great. I endorse wedding and marriage and all that too. But some guy's got to ask me out, right, girls? Come on. Come on, guys. Get up. Get up to the plate. Bat. Start swinging. So, uh, I mean, so, and that's coming from a guy who's shy. I was shy, and every girl kind of intimidated me. Uh, and the godlier they were, or the beautiful ones, or whoever, they're all beautiful. But like to me, if she was, I was just like, I'm so intimidated, like scared to death. I can't ask her out. She'll for sure tell me no. So guys, ask them out. Ask these girls out. All right. Okay. Well, so we, we have lived in Southeast Asia, uh, Indonesia, and in the capital of Jakarta, which is... Um, the second largest metropolitan in the world, uh, about 33, 34 million live in that very densely populated landmass. And uh, if you've ever been to Jakarta, how many have been to Jakarta? How many have been to Indonesia? Oh, I got more Indonesia. Great. Um, and, and then we moved to Penang, Malaysia, chiefly because our kids' schooling needed a little bit more oomph. The schooling in Jakarta was struggling. And so uh, we moved to Penang, Malaysia, so we could go back and forth. And I'll share a little bit about my experience in Jakarta throughout today. But um, I love Tyler, Ashley. I love you guys. Uh, I, I really don't even have to know you. But I love this church. And I really mean that. And I, I, having been this, I've been around 30 years in August. We moved, I moved here in 1991, so 30 years ago. When I moved, I could never imagine what God has done around the world. But I really, when, when Tyler and I sat down at Jason's Deli, even Jimmy, who, Jimmy's the senior pastor at Antioch, Jimmy didn't know I was about to ask you. I was just like, I'm going to take liberty. He's my B team coach, man. He, this guy's got it. He should be A team. I should have been C team. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know who would have been B. But, but he was way more A than me. And, and I just... I knew it when I saw it, the anointing of God on Tyler and, of course, Ashley, right? Ashley, too. Yes. Wherever you are, Ashley, anointed. Uh, and so I love these guys, um, and um, I went to Mississippi State. 
Uh, I know, here it comes. But I will say, I love you more than you love me or my university. I love AM. If I could have gone to any university outside of Mississippi State, it would be Texas AM. And I'm not just saying that because I'm here or that I have a son who's a senior at AM. I love this university. So uh, love what I see here and love what God's doing. Um, and, uh, you know, I just want to share briefly, I'm just going to interweave a little bit of my journey into um, the story, and I'll just give you a, a little of the basic of the stories in John 2. So we're not going to read that passage right this second. We will in a moment. But I really felt like the Lord spoke that word so clearly to me about four weeks ago. Um, and I really feel that it's not only for a World Mandate Sunday, I believe it's a, a word for this particular season in this particular church. So it felt kind of like, I know I'm supposed to bring kind of a nation's message theme, maybe a bit more, because it is the world mandate. Um, but it feels like you guys are in such an incredible season, a very strategic season, a very, it feels like the word I, I've heard is inauguration. God is about to inaugurate this church into something greater a greater measure of God's glory being seen in the earth is going to start here. I really believe that. So I, 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 I want to make sure I'm not using, I, I tend to use the really and you're very, but I want you to hear that's not what this message is. It's not hype. I really believe from the Lord this is a message. So, um, But my journey began to, in Christ, at Christ, coming to Christ at 18 years old. And um, I was uh, a freshman, and um, my chemistry professor and I had gotten to know each other pretty well. Uh, I was not walking with Jesus at all, but I'd had a religious background, enough to know that I wanted Jesus, and I wanted to go to heaven, and I didn't want to go to hell, and I didn't want to live in sin, but I was living in sin, and I was at that point going to hell because I had never trusted in Jesus. I'd always been working hard to, to earn my way to heaven. And at 18 years old, uh, April of 1985, so I'm 55 years old, but at April of 1985, I walked into Dr. Noel Mann's office, and I was going to ask him a little bit about, I was his lab tech, so I was going to ask him a little bit about something, but then I was also going to talk to him about a guy who did not know Jesus, and he knew that I was religious, so I would even talk about people coming to faith in Jesus. I was the, uh, 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 the president of the, Bapt of the Methodist student something as a lost person, okay? I was lost. So I sat down in his office, and he said, hey, Kevin, before we talk about Jackson, before we talk about that lab exper experiment, <clears throat> I want to just talk about you. Have you ever given your life to Jesus? If you were to die right now, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? And like somebody just turned on a valve of water, I just started weeping. And I'm not a weeper. Uh, just the tears started pouring out. And, and so, you know how when you cry, I mean, you're like, you're, you're heaving or you're down. Or, and I was heaving. It wasn't like, huh. it was like, <laughs> and so I was like that. And, and so I was like this, and I was like, <laughs> and I look up and he's gone. And I'm like, <laughs> So I'm in the office. I'm like, where is he? And about a minute later, he walks in with the other lab tech. Her name was Gail. And he said, hey, I could lead you to Jesus right now because that's obviously what you want. But I led Gail to Jesus last week. 
why doesn't Gail lead you to Jesus? So actually, I often say Dr. Mann was the one who led me to the Lord, but really it was Gail who led me to Jesus. I haven't seen her since. I mean, I think she graduated. And I, but anyway, transformational. I mean, it was one of those experiences where when I lifted up my head from prayer, I just, everything looked different. Now, everything wasn't different because my flesh started hitting me again and sin. But within about, a, for about a six-month window, it was, Jesus was everything to me. And I wanted everybody to know him. Well, I, I, I stood up from that experiment, experience, experiment, that was <laughs> chemistry, experience, from that experience, and I was walking across campus to the cafeteria, so it was around five o'clock, meeting my friends for dinner, and I, I, he didn't tell me I would hear the Lord, he didn't, he didn't even Later, I found out he didn't even believe that there were gifts of the Holy Spirit exactly like we might talk about it here. He didn't say, you will now hear the voice of God. There was none of that. But I walked across campus, and, and as if, it's better for me to say it that way, as if the Lord spoke to me. It was as if I could hear him in my mind. I felt the Lord said, Kevin, for all these 18 years, you have been about your plans and your dreams. And I want you to just obey the very next thing I tell you to do. And everything will be possible with me. It was something like that. <clears throat> and I really believe, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me. I really believe that there's something about that particular word. That's for all of us. Because part of the word that God is speaking is it's not about us. It's not about our what we can do, what we can bring to the table. It's not about how gifted you are, how smart you are, what degree you have, what leadership position you had. Because I can say, at that point in my walk, with, in, in a journey toward God, things were really, really good. Like, my grades were good, my campus involvement was great, my leadership, my friendship, everything was at a good place. But it wasn't enough for me. It was all like, like dung, as Paul would say. It was, like, it was like it smelled before God. And so that was just really a huge part of my journey. And, and that word obedience, I later came to find out, is one of the chief love languages of God. You kind of wonder, what's God's love language? It's not how much you do. It's not how hard you work. Though faith will produce works, Works does not necessarily produce faith. And for me, it was God inverting the kingdom to say, it's about you obeying me, follow me. And I later read 1 John 5, 3, that, where it says, my, my children, this is love for God, to keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Whoa. That was a shift for me. That was like a light going on. That, that it's not how much I know, because sometimes I think in North America, we Christians, we know so much, but so often we do so little with what we know. Instead, God's wanting you to know, maybe don't know so much, but just do a lot with what you know. Obey the next thing he says. And live in that obedience until God says something else. 
And of course, there's the obediences of like make disciples and, and lay down your life for one another and, and serve. And that's the greatest in the kingdom is to serve. And there's those kinds of obediences, but there's just maybe God's going to speak. And I hope today that he might actually speak something fresh to you that would be a fresh obedience or remind you of a past obedience that he doesn't want you to stray from. That may be actually what God says. So there's a new order, a new kingdom, a new way that God wants to wire us, and he wants to invert the kingdom for, our, for, for us, in us. So I want us to look at John 2. So uh, I think we have that passage up here. You can obviously turn to your iPhones or Bibles or whatever you use. Uh, but in John 2, we're going to read 1 through 11. All right, so on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana, in Galilee. I think it's really important to, to the very first miracle. So this is the first of about eight major miracles that John highlights in his, his book. And this is the very first one, okay? Isn't it interesting? He chose a wedding, a wedding to demonstrate his glory at first. Think about what's going on throughout the earth today regarding marriage the sacredness of marriage, marriage between a man and a woman as the definition of God in marriage. He chose a wedding to do his first miracle. He was at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. I'm just going to read it from my notes. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what has this to do with me? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Verse six, now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and the disciples believed in him. Mm, I love this story. Cana was located near Nazareth, probably about five, 10 miles-ish. So both of these towns were fairly small. So it would be probably right to say that Jesus from Nazareth, Mary from Nazareth, family, which later goes on in the passage in verse 12, 13, 14, that the family were with Mary and they did something together with Jesus. But the family that lived in Nazareth knew the people of Cana. The people of Cana knew the people of Nazareth. So in many ways, Jesus was going to a home affair. It was a family affair. It was friendship. Another point to note that Jesus did his very first miracle, not among strangers, but among those that were the closest to him, the family of God, his family, his Literally, the family of God. <laughs> he being God. Jesus chose to do his very first miracle among family. 
And we also see that in this place where he was proving him, himself to them in a very, very sweet and very powerful way, he did this to shift focus from family toward God. Okay, so what I want to start with the first thing is the point resonance. So if you like points, there's three points we're going to make. Resonance, all right, obedience, and blessing. Resonance, <laughs> obedience, and blessing. The very first thing is, I mean, Jesus is, is just at the wedding, and Mary, you can imagine it, right? She rushes up and says, Jesus, there's no wine. And what does Jesus say? He doesn't say, oh, no. Or he doesn't say, okay, well, let's figure this out. He says, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour hasn't come. Okay, right? Does it, what's happening here? Like, I can say our first five years of marriage, there'd be times that I would talk about, we're just communicating. And Stacy's like, no, we're having an argument. Like, we are? It's like, you know, you're like just missing frequencies, right? And I'm like, oh, Ravine, this is like a great time we're having right now. She's like, no, this isn't fun at all. I'm like, it's not? <laughs> I'm having fun. <laughs> you're not having fun? Why? Okay, it's because you're missing each other. Well, Jesus is on one frequency. Mary's on another. Mary's very practical. And it's right. She probably was one of the leaders of, maybe she just knew it, like, I'll serve. I'll serve in the background. Because she was probably a servant. And she probably knew those people. So she's the background. Mary, uh, Jesus, we have no wine. And he's like, woman, which, by the way, I don't think we can, we, it would be wrong to say that Jesus was being rude to her or disrespectful or like, woman, because if we said it, it would be like, it'd be like, wait, just call her mom or mommy or mom's mother or whatever. I don't think he was like being like, hey, woman. I don't think it's like that. It's not, I think it was just maybe a term. He later uses the word woman when he's at the cross. He said, woman, behold your son, John, John, this is now your mother. So I think it was a term, uh, uh, but I think also I believe, and it has actually, as I've studied this, it is believed that he was making a shift from family on earth to kingdom. He's, he's shifting something there. He knows what's about to happen. He's God. He's listening to the Father. This is it. It's like a setup. There's no wine. Woman, what has that to do with me? My hour hasn't come. Chirp, chirp. <laughs> They're looking at each other like, I asked for wine. You're talking about dying? <laughs> chirp, chirp. But resonance is about to happen. Okay, resonance, you engineers. <clears throat> I was an engineer um, as well, but I want to define resonance because I think it's really powerful. Well, maybe we have it up here. Do we have resonance up here, the definition? There we go. When one object vibrating at the same natural frequency of a second object causes that second object into vibrational motion. That's what's happening in the kingdom. Keep that up there. Jesus is on a different frequency than Mary. But Mary loves Jesus. Mary loves God. Mary birthed God in the earth. So we have to believe that she is of a frequency that is very similar to Jesus. But she's not on the same level. And they're getting together and she's beginning to see it. And then it's like, I think there's a convergence where she says, just do whatever he tells you to do. Kind of like, okay, whatever's about to happen, it's probably going to be really good. She had lived with him 30 years at this point. Okay, so she had seen him. It wasn't like 
he'd been playing around and, until he's 18, and then he goes to college, and then he like, gets a job in the carpenter shop, and then she's the whole time like, hmm, I wonder what he's really going to be. She birthed God, had all these divine things. She's watching him. Is very likely Joseph had passed away at this point. So who would be the lead of the home? would be Joseph. I mean, sorry, Jesus. Jesus, as the oldest, would have taken that leadership from Joseph. So she's gone to him dozens and dozens of times to ask for advice. Little note is, I bet never once did he give bad advice. <laughs> Jesus had always given good advice, always good giving, given good counsel, never missed it. <laughs> he never missed the marks. You always need to go to Jesus because <laughs> he's got good things to say. So she goes to Jesus for the answer, chirp, chirp, resonance is happening. Oh, just do whatever he tells you to do. This is going to be good. And I think that that's so important for us, you know, that, that God brings resonance. Why do we worship on a Sunday morning? There's resonance happening. We don't come in. I mean, we. We all come in. We love Jesus, right? Maybe some of you have spent seven hours of Jesus. You've been up since three in the morning and you're just praying and you coming in and you're just like flowing in with the resonance of God. But for most of us, we've spent some time with the Lord, but we're not like coming in. We're like, glad there's coffee. I'm sleepy. Gosh, we got some bills due. I can't wait to eat. I'm already hungry. I just had breakfast. I mean, you're like, you're like, ow, my knee, that hurts. Oh, poor you. That's really sad. Lots of things are going on. We're trying to be resonant with Jesus, but worship does that. So at the end, I mean, we get wherever the worship leader who asked us to get on knees, that was so powerful. Who is she? Brittany. Brittany. Way to go, Brittany. That was awesome. She's anointed. I really believe that. And so when we all got our knees, it's like there's a resonance happening. The frequency of God, heaven, kingdom, and our frequency are coming in sync. So that's what's happening. That's why we seek God every day. That's why we come to church. That's why we in community of life group and all that is resonance happens. And I can say uh, from my own experience in resonating with God, about 2013, world mandate. So it was in September of 2013. I had, Stacy and I had a very resonant experience with Jesus. So my life then, I was one of the elders at Antioch, international director for Antioch Ministries, had started Acts of Mercy doing disaster relief around the world. That was kind of my world. September 2013, world mandate. Speaker was from Indonesia um, and Paul Richardson. And, and he, great message. And as was very common on a Saturday night, we would take a moment to just sit with God at the end of the message. Lord, is there anything you want to say about the nations, anything you want to say about our engagement with the nations? Are we to pray more? Are we to give financially? Are we to go? Are we to, what are we called to do? So we got really quiet, and, and, and this is in the auditorium, uh, Baylor University, whatever that's called, right? We're in the round, and, and we're sitting there, and Stacy starts to cry, which I'm thinking, hey, good sign. And I mean, for her at least, not for me. I'm not resonating yet. But she's already, I'm like, she's already resonant. She, I said, honey, what's wrong? She said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this because every time we do this, every time, the Lord says, I've called you to stay. I've called you to stay. I've called you to stay. She's like, I don't want to do this because that's what he's going to say. I'm called you to stay. And I'm like, 
she's right. I mean, that's exactly what he'd been doing for many, many years. But this time, I said, well, honey, let's just, let's just, let's just be still. Let's be quiet. So three or four minutes went by, and I had a picture of me sitting in my office at Antioch, and everything began to fall away. I'm in one of these chairs, and everything fell away. The desk, the, the, the surroundings. I could see our house. It fell away. The vehicles, the friendships, everything that we'd held on to as dear to us. Not like, this is mine, possessional. We didn't feel that way. But it was just like, these were precious things to us. And they all fell away. And I'm sitting in the office in the dark all alone. And then I opened my eyes. I'm like, wow. And I said, so, so, I said Stacy, what, what did you hear or see or whatever? And she said, well, I saw this picture. She said, I was sitting in our house. And, and, and I could see our house and our friendships and everything. And everything fell away. It was just complete darkness. It was just me wow. by myself. But then at the end, I saw this like door way, way out, like in the darkness, a, a door crack open, a shaft of light come in. Well, we have never before or since had a picture identical like that, but we knew in resonance that God was speaking something. And for about four or five months, we just sought the Lord. Lord, what are you saying? And that's when God gave us a call to go to Indonesia. It was in that place of resonance that he could give us an obedience that we were called to, all right? So that's my next point is obedience. And, and in obedience, we see this place where Jesus obviously is about to do something. Mary just says to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. That's a great word for all of us, right? Amen? Amen. Just do whatever he tells you to do. That's the word of the Lord for us. Whatever he, he says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow him. Now, what's really cool about this miracle, Jesus apparently never seems to have touched the water, touched the jars. He, he didn't do this, <laughs> you know, like this abracadabra, which it would have been so cool if he would have. I mean, be like, yes, that's dramatic, yes. But he's not like me. <laughs> I would have chose to do that. Like, just make it really dramatic. And he didn't. There's no evidence that he did anything. It was all the servants. Come on, peeps. That's awesome. Jesus does a lot of good. But think about who he's doing it through. Me and all of you. So good. Which he's going to get the glory. We could try to steal it, but that'd be no good. But he lets us be a part of it the whole journey. And so fast forward, you know, so we really felt the Lord say a five-year word. Give me five years. I'm going to do something amazing in Indonesia. And you get to be a part of it. So here we are. We're just journeying. We're learning language. We have teenage kids, which teenage kids on the field, bless their hearts. I mean, not an easy experience for them. And, and so we're just trying to make it and trying to survive and trying to meet people and trying to reach the, the lost and but in the middle of it, God had given, in fact, Luke and I were talking on the way back down from, or way down from Waco, because we had Baylor Family Day yesterday with our girls. So we came down this morning, but late, we were just talking about how God had given us this dream, I would say, that there would be a, a nationwide initiative of reaching Indonesia, which if you've ever been a part of this Engage the Islands, that's what that was. Well, Engage the Islands was something, I'm not just, Luke and I thought of that. That was 
something way beyond us because the guys in Waco thought of that too. And, but there was this kind of, I would say, even an unconventional obedience that God was calling us to. Because as I'd gotten to know Indonesia, though it's 18,000 islands and it's the fourth largest nation in the world and the largest Muslim nation in the world, and there's, there is incredible stuff happening, the majority is Muslim. So to do an initiative in Indonesia, a Muslim country, where we're going to bring over a thousand zealots from College Brian, College Station Brian, Waco, Texas, San Diego, uh, all those places, to bring all those to converge on Indonesia, a Muslim country, radical. I do not suggest it ever, unless God says to do it. Don't do it. It's terrible. I mean, I have some of my closest friends, like the guys that are like in charge of ecumenical president of the whole nation's ecumenical system or evangelical. These guys are amazing. And, and I tell you, we almost lost friendship with them because it was so radical what we were pro proposing to do. hundred churches, denominations involved. Uh, one quick story to shout out for Sam back there. Sam, <laughs> Sam's uh, Duffy surface. I always say Duffy and then I'm like, no, she's married to the most awesome man, Chris. <laughs> Uh, so when, when Sam and Rachel Lucian, by the way, Rachel is home running out there, uh, unbound, uh, launching Unbound Indonesia, and she's from you guys, um, and then Hunter and Kelly Malone, those four uh, were a part of this Engage the Islands initiative at the beginning, and, and they, were help, they were kind of our admin team. We were later so blessed to add Trish Sims, wherever Trish is, Katie Keith, I see Katie right there, and one more. Chris, of course. I feel like Chris is always there. <laughs> Chris was not at that beginning. Uh, Chris surfaced, of course. And, um, but the, the thing about the, the, we were looking to, to raise up, what, 400 translators, Sam? I mean, it was incredible. What, and, and so I can remember, it's like January, February, March, we're gonna get 400 translators by the end of March. How many translators do we have? Zero. Zero translators. And we had, um, we had 1,200 people that are making plane tickets and all that. We're like, they're coming. And we have nobody to translate. <laughs> Lord Jesus, help. And I remember Sam at the staff meeting, she's like, guys, we've got our first translator. And we're like, yes, yes. And I, then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm even trying to be positive, right? Be positive and encouraging. And then in the back of my mind, like one, we have 400 people we need, Jesus, you know? And so uh, Sam let us, she and Debbie, who's one of our staff members, uh, Indonesian staff members in Jakarta, she and Debbie traveled all over the nation universities and churches and just like pitching, engage the islands. We're going to saturate the, this nation with gospel. We're planting churches and people being healed and disciples being made and churches being started. And, and by the time those 1,200 people got on the plane, we had over 400 translators, over 400. And I think we ended up having 450. And, but I can just say... Um, but it, it, was, it was not by might, not by power, right, Sam? It was by the Spirit, because you know what the breakthrough was? Fasting. Yep. Sam led us, and I don't know how many days you guys fasted, but I didn't join the whole time, but I wanted, I prayed fast as well. But Sam just led us out, I mean, breakthrough after breakthrough. But that was an obedience that now we're, we're reaping the benefit from. 
I mean, there are churches all over the nation because of Engage the Islands. Networks and movements. And, and we still hear these random people starting brand new ministries who were first inaugurated into this kind of ministry from Engage the Islands. So what was resonance, go for five years, which was obedience, this Engage the Islands, do it, ended up being a blessing. And that's the last thing I want to hit on before we conclude is the, the blessing part. And I, I really believe that sometimes we get the immediate blessing. We did not until it took months and months. But sometimes our blessing is waiting for years and years. How many of you guys would say right now, I'm waiting for a blessing that I've been hoping for for well over one or two years? Anybody? I would say that. I'm still, there's things I'm hoping for that haven't happened. And there's those delayed blessings, those delayed miracles Maybe you're believing for a healing, and you've been believing for a while. But I'm just, I, I really believe. And I, I don't know, I've heard several miracles this weekend. So there are miracles happening. I just think you're at that point where there's a miracle, miracles that are about to happen in this environment that are going to be shifting the whole direction of the church in a more powerful way. So that, that last one I want to share about the delayed blessing you know, Jesus, obviously, the water to the brim. So what's cool about that miracle is that there was no, like, let's put water up. And you know what they would do? They would dilute the wine by adding it to water, add water to wine. So this was a miracle that the water was, there was nothing they could add. This was a full transformation that happened from water literally to wine. And then, and so what I, I wanted to just say is, you know, the, the, the last thing that, that has happened in the last probably year, year and a half, is that we've just come to that five, we're, we're at six and a half years, but a year and a half ago, we came to the five-year mark. And one of the things that happened to us was um, we've been believing that every unengaged people group in Indonesia would be, at least with a national worker adopting it, and then national workers trained, national workers funded so that national workers could be sent to these final 127 people groups. So Zeke and I, he's one of my national partners. In fact, he's been at this church before he loves this church. Uh, Zeke and I were just been laboring with, with dozens of other organizations. How do we see this happen? So very close to the five-year mark, not thinking about the five-year word, just, just trying to resonate with God, just trying to obey the next thing that God says. I'm sitting in a meeting, and we're, they had asked me to facilitate a foot washing to the nationals who are part of adopting these people groups. So, you know, different people have heard different things about foot washing, but it's basically symbolic of service or serving. And so there are some of us from the United States who live in Indonesia, and we were washing the feet of the Indonesians and saying, we're with you. It was symbolic of, you know, we'll lay everything down for you. We'll raise funds. We'll train, we'll help, we'll serve, we'll love you through it. So that's what we were doing. So there were like eight, nine of us that were washing eight or nine Indonesians' feet. So we got done with that. We all sat back down. And, and it was a very touching, like Zeke was incredibly embarrassing. I embarrassed because you can imagine when someone washes your feet, you're like, please don't. No, I didn't, I didn't know you were going to do that. And my feet really smell. So if you've ever had your feet washed, it's really hard to be that person. Um, but it was, the Holy Spirit was so present because it was just a spirit of service. And um, so we all went back to our seat 
and a guy who's about 85, 86 years old, his name is um, Iman Santoso, and he would be called the kind of Indonesian father of the modern mission movement happening in Indonesia. He basically brought the whole unengaged, unreached people group that people have never been reached to Indonesia, and he basically facilitated for almost 30 years how to, how to see churches really own those who have never heard. So he stands up. Nobody knew he was going to do this. I didn't know. And he stands up and he says, today I'm here to declare that the final 127 people groups that have never heard have now formally and officially been adopted, trained, funded, and we're about to send them out. Wow, the power of the Lord. I mean, literally, I was in the back, and I just, I was, it was one of those moments where I just, I don't weep much, but I'm just shaking under the presence of God because he did what he said he would do. Five years is nothing. I mean, I'm only five years. Some of these people, he's been waiting 30 years for this to happen. I'd only been waiting five but I can just say that, but to be a part of that blessing, though delayed, was a miracle of God. And, it's, and we see that at the very end, that the manifestation of the glory of God was happening. Jesus saw it happen. It's happening right now. So whatever miracle you see, whatever miracle this church sees, whatever blessing is about to come upon the church, it's for the glory of God. It's not for us. So there's just this that we do. Like, it's, it's about you, Jesus. It's not about us. And why I do believe, really believe, that this church is right on the edge of something very major is because this church has been through a lot in the last 18 months. Church across the nation has been through a lot, right? Church across the world has been through a lot, a lot of persecution, a lot of backlash, and a lot of this culture war that's happening where we as Christians are saying, God, what are you calling? What do I say? What do I do? Anything I say is going to be like, you're, you're what? Intolerant. You're angry. You're uh, racist. You're, and you know what? We are all those things. There's not a one in this room that is without sin. We all are. But at the same time, what we're saying is, God, I just want you to get glory. Do something through us. Here we are, God. We want to resonate with you. God, we want to obey. The next thing you say, God, we want, we want to see the world in which we're living blessed. We want to see cultures blessed. We want to see peoples blessed. We don't want to see anger and rioting and striving and um, uh, polar opposite pulling and, and this whole thing of what's happening all across the United States. We don't want to see that, God. So, God, please, what, is you, what are you saying to do? What's the obedience? What's the next thing we'll do it, God? But, God, bless this city. Bless this church. Bless the churches of Bryan College Station. Bless the churches of, of Texas. Bless America, God. Really, truly, God, bless America. Please, oh, God. Bless the world in which we're living. God, it's time. Because in the end, Lord, and I say this so often, and I also say it almost exactly like this. God, best I know how, I promise I'll give you all the glory. 
And I mean that. It's like I know that I can't fully give all glory to God because I'm a human who is selfish and sinful and likes glory and all that. But best I know, God, I promise I'll try to give you all the glory. Anything they see happening here, any miracle, any sign, any wonder, you. Any salvation, any breakthrough, you. Any college, university, Texas A&M becoming fully yours where revival of 70,000 students coming alive and on fire. It's you. It was not us. Anything happening, it's you, Lord. And that, my friends, I believe is the heart of this church. And that, my friends, I believe is the word for this church. So why don't we all stand up? I think the worship team is going to come up. And I want to just, I want to do one thing here. Because I, I think in this type of message, it's right to take a moment to resonate with God. To literally, the frequency of heaven coming on the frequency of earth. And this second object, us, the people of God, coming into the same vibrational frequency motion. Lord, here we are. We're coming together on the same motion. What are you saying? And I, I, I don't know if this has happened yet, but I really want to, as the worship team is going to just play some music, I really want to take just a moment to close our eyes. You can do whatever you need. You can sit back down if you really are like, I can't really focus while I'm standing. Um, I, can't, I can't focus while I'm sitting. I need to get on my knees. I can't focus uh, when people are around me, so I'm just going to go in a corner. <laughs> or sometimes for me, I'll just like, you know, put my hand and my face just to, together. God, I focus on you. And I just want us to close our eyes for a moment. And we're just going to, we're resonating. We're, we're going to sit for a moment with the Lord. You're welcome here, Jesus. You always have been. The whole service, we've, we've already said this. We acknowledge you. But we resonate our hearts now with your beating heart. And Lord, we really want you to speak anything you want us to know, anything that you may want us to do, anything that we need to know. As Mary said to the servants, we say to you, we'll just do whatever you want us to do. We empty ourselves, we rid ourselves of fears and worries. We, and I just encourage you just to, to exhale. We exhale worries, we exhale passions from the world, we, we give up sin and fears and bondages and shame. I just felt for some of you, you're just ashamed. Coming before God is not easy because you just live with kind of this guilt. Just quickly repent. If you don't know what to repent of, just, Lord, I repent of anything and everything, all things that were far from you. I do that so often if I feel guilt or shame, I just don't even know why. I don't even know what it is. Is it the devil? Is that you? But I just... I repent of anything and everything. Now, Lord, we 
we welcome you to speak to our hearts. So I'm, I'm going to be true to the timing it here just for about one minute. We're going to listen to whatever the Lord wants to say. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak. that specific of a word, but the Lord is just saying to my heart, hold on. You're so close. Reach out. You're so near. You're so close. Don't give up. Don't lose faith. There's a sense as well that there's a couple marriages maybe in the room and it's been a really hard journey for your marriage. Disagreements that you cannot seem to reconcile. And the Holy Spirit is speaking. Again, just hold on. Pull in. Reach out. Hold his hand. Hold her hand. Make a movement literally toward reaching out, not pulling away. Thank you, Lord. And I just I want to take a moment as you heard something from the Holy Spirit you to just however you want, but for me, it helps me to open up my hands and just submit myself to the Lord, to <clears throat> submit that dream, that thought, that, that word, that picture, whatever God kind of put there, just to hold out your hand before the Lord said, here it is, God, it's yours. What is the next thing you want me to do? But I'll do it. I hold nothing back. And try to just take that word and share it with someone. Maybe it's your boyfriend, girlfriend, it's a close friend, a dear friend, somebody beside you, somebody you just need to text and say, hold me, God spoke this, hold me accountable, hold me near, <clears throat> I really want to see a breakthrough, I really want to do something to obey this next word that he's been speaking my heart. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, we believe for the blessing. And Lord, I want to pray just as I began you're inaugurating this church into something new. I don't know why it would be today, and I don't know why it would be after 12 years of a church having served you faithfully, and I don't know what that's about, but I just know the word. So we, we, we receive the inauguration of heaven. <laughs> the inauguration of heaven on this church. He's, he's sending you, inaugurating you <clears throat> into something new, something beyond you. He's calling you to step into a new mantle, a new anointing, 
of obedience, a new anointing of miracles, a new anointing of the manifestation of the glory of God. As it says in verse 11, there's a manifestation of the glory of God that he's calling us into. And it will be extreme glory to God, extremely honoring others, extremely blessing them or that or other churches, other moves, other everything. It's extreme, but it's like, it's not about us. That's it. This is the glory of God will be seen. However, it's going to be seen through him or her or them or that, that God's manifest glory come on earth. That's all that matters to us because we're just a little part of the body, the big, big body of Christ. We're just a little part. And our job, our work is to live in you, abide in you. Do the love language of the Father. Obey the very next thing you said to do. That's your love language, God. We'll obey you. We can say it till the day is long, but we just obey you. And then we'll give you the glory for all the blessing you are going to do. In Jesus' name.